Hey, it's Tyler here. This is part two of our uh, episode five podcast about strong towns and the strong town strength test. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you do that. We give a brief overview of, of strong towns and we do questions one through five. In this podcast, we'll be focusing on questions six through 10. All right, number six. Is it safe for children to walk or bike to school and many of their other activities without adult supervision? This one was one that from our listeners had uh, a, a pretty good good split. I think um, Josh McGee, uh, who's you know I, I've known for a long time, I think he had he had the best answer of somewhat, uh, and that's totally how I feel about this about this one. It, it really depends on the on the school and where you're coming from. So we obviously, you know, going to Holmes Elementary. Uh, if you're walking from from somewhere in Timber Glen, you're you're in pretty good shape. That there's there's infrastructure set up for you to be able to walk to school. However, if you're walking from uh, somewhere maybe in Southridge, uh, you're trying you can't really walk down Truesdale. It's it's unwalkable even for adults. Um, and, and I think that's something that they're working on at, very soon, but it is something that is an issue, and we see the same thing over by Denver School. Uh, it's a little bit more walker-friendly, but the sidewalks are, are not pretty much non-existent in Denver Edition, and, and that's kind of unfortunate. So, you know, getting, getting to the library, much easier. There's a lot of sidewalks around the library, so that's a place that a lot of kids go, and and even the uh, the CCYC, which is an after-school program, um, that's another place where there there's pretty good sidewalks around there. So there's there's a few places that that I think are pretty pretty solid. What are your thoughts, Mark? Um, yeah, I think similar. I, I think there are definitely places where you can walk, but for the most part, I don't think we prioritize creating walkable infrastructure to connect our schools to the, the community broadly. Um, I know we did a Safe Routes to Schools plan several years ago. Um, and, and I mean, I was shocked that there was actually a lot of pushback to that, that people were, <laughs> there were actually people opposed to developing infrastructure that would help young people walk or bike to school. Um, so I, I think we have a ways to go on that issue. It's a great one though. I mean, I think, most people, when they think about the good old days, they think about walking to school. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, we do, there is something to, to that, that, that we have perhaps lost something as a community if, if kids can't safely walk or bike to school. And, you know, again, I think a lot of it comes to infrastructure that we've not built um, the, the sidewalks, the bike trails, the, the types of infrastructure we would need to, to get kids safely to school on, on foot or on bike. Yeah, and I think we see that, you know, I, I work at the high school and I walk there from, from downtown. And even for me in the mornings, people going really, really fast down Locust Street, uh, that's, you know, that, that, that is, is potentially unsafe. And that's the way, again, that our, that our roads are built. They are so wide through that area 
but it, 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 it's just very inviting to be able to drive 45 or 50 miles an hour, I think, down that road. And I think people do that. Um, so, you know, if, when, when kids are crossing the street or whatever it may be, it's, it's definitely not, a, 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 not an environment that um, encourages pedestrian traffic. And that's, and, and that's where I think the, you know, the, the big issue is, is why, why not encourage kids to walk to school? You know, are we, are we busing every single kid? Uh, to school, even the ones that live, you know, a, a five or ten minute walk from school, it, it seems like we could we could provide a lot of value both in the overall health of the community, um, and and just you know for for our schools, the the having to bus every single kid to school, it's it's crazy. It's not something that that we should be doing, and we certainly have the ability to. Uh, to change that and to, and to make that better. The city has that ability. Um, and like Mark said, there was a safe routes to school thing, the uh, commission that was kind of put forth. I don't know whether it was an official commission, but certainly they, they really did a lot of work and that there was a lot of pushback for that. And, and some of it is, you know, we don't want sidewalks in certain places, which to me is just, I don't understand why we don't want to be a more walkable community because you look at Denver Edition, it's a 10 minute walk to downtown, um, but you're going to be walking on the street a lot. And, and that's that's not not really how you want to see things done. So same question, one to five strong, you know, one being strong. No, five being strong. Yes. I say three. OK, OK. So that's yeah. We'll go with Josh's somewhat. The we'll somewhat. Go, go right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I think the somewhat is is so accurate on this because, like we said, there are there it it, it, uh, it all depends on where you live and which school you go to. There are certain spots that are really easy to walk to, to walk to the middle school or high school, um, but even some of those streets over there are, are are fairly wide and people do move pretty quickly around them. One thing that will be interesting is I assume at some point there will be a new skill school built in Wilmington. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be interesting to see whether or not the placement of that school is, if walkability is a priority considered in that placement. Yeah, yeah. And this is where the city and the schools really need to work together to make this a, a, an important issue moving forward. And, and certainly as we look at you know, we, we, we're, we've been talking a lot about street maintenance lately uh, as a city. Um, you know, we, we really need to look at where can we invest to make, uh, make our sidewalks um, better places and, and where we don't have sidewalks to, to create sidewalks to make them more walkable. All right, question seven. I think, Mark, this is one where we, another one where we had a, a little bit of discussion earlier, kind of trying to figure out um, you know, we, I think we both had some agreement on it, but are there neighborhoods where three generations of a family could reasonably find a place to live all within walking distance of each other? So, yeah, I do think this is the case. Um, and I, I, I do, I see this. I mean, I, this does exist in our community. Um, I think in my neighborhood around Sugar Tree and Wood Street, um, there are definitely three generations of people that are living in that neighborhood. Um, you know, areas like around um, the library, 
Yeah. I mean, to me, I thought about this question uh, as, so there, where are there neighborhoods where there are things that three generations of families would want? And so to me, that's like for young families, that's parks, shopping, um, entertainment, for, um, for middle-aged families, that would be like probably access to schools, um, maybe access to restaurants, different, maybe a different type of amenity. And then for older folks, it would be um, access to doctors, access to pharmacy, access to um, you know parks, places where they can be active. And, and I think our downtown, around the downtown, it really does offer that. Um, you know, if, if you're a senior and you're living in the downtown, like you could walk to your doctor, mm-hmm. you could walk to your pharmacist, you could walk to the hospital if you needed to. Okay. Um, for younger families, there are trails, there's restaurants, there's entertainment. So I think, you know, and that's, again, that's like what, that's how cities were built or to be, to offer things for, for the full spectrum of, of ages. And, and so right. we definitely have that in our community. Yeah, and I think you say that the further you get out from, from the city core, uh, probably the, the less you see of this. Um, you know, and part of that is, is the availability of, of places that are, are built for pedestrians to walk through. Um, but this is, that, that's, a, that's a really interesting question, and I think it does get at, again, it gets at that walkability, it gets at density. You know, where, where are there places where, uh, and, and, it gets, and it gets at, uh, like you said, Mark, the, the amenities that are around. Because you do see, you know, I, I noticed this just kind of in, in a walk from, um, from, let's say, where you live to where I live. You walk by a doctor's office, you walk by a couple of restaurants, you, you walk by a pharmacy, you walk by... Um, and, and you're right by the, you know, you're, you're right by a, a variety of places. You're close to the bike trail and things like that. So if you are living in this area, there really are, um, are amenities available for a wide variety of ages. And this is, this is one where I think that uh, some people might have a slight argument against it. Um, but everyone, all the listeners that, that responded to the little survey that I sent out uh, completely agreed that, that there are several places that, that allow this around town. And it's really important for people to know that and understand that because this, uh, it allows Wilmington to be a place that you can live long term uh, and still you know, get the amenities that you need and, and still maybe live around family if that's what you're into and and that's a that's a good thing so this is this is one i'd say this one's a five yeah i give this one a five yeah all right eight if you wanted to eat only locally produced food for a month could you uh this one is is kind of a it depends slightly in the summer I think it would be very easy to for anyone that's gone to the farmer's market on a Saturday morning. Uh, you can pick up all the vegetables you could want, probably just about all the meat you could want. You, you, know, you can get, get a variety of meats there. Um, you can get breads and, and things like that that are all locally produced. Uh, and even, you know, and I've, I've been thinking about this because we, we talked a little bit about um, 
you know, being able to, to do it over the winter, I think you, you just have to be, be prepared for it. If you, if you had some time to prepare for it, you could, um, because there are, again, you know, there, there are meats that you could freeze and, and things like that, uh, vegetables that can be canned, so they tell me. And that, I think that's, that's really great because there is just so much local food production. Um, Mark, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, definitely during the summer months, if you wanted to eat only locally produced food for a month, that would be very easy to do and you'd eat very delicious food. So we're Mm -hmm. lucky in that respect. I think, I mean, clearly there are a lot of places and I mean, when you think about local, I think about like just surrounding farm. I mean, like the the farmers market is are only farms in Clinton County. Right. Uh, you know, if we thought locally a little bit more broadly, then there would be no doubt that we could. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, and that's that is one of the nice things about living in an agriculturally heavy area and and an agriculturally heavy area where you know we see a lot of farms that are are focused on, ma- on a certain amount of mass production, but we also see a lot of farms that are focused on um, uh, sourcing their food locally and and that's that's something that I think we're, we're lucky to have and there's been some some a lot of movement to encourage that uh, especially with the farmers market and, and you know some of the local farms have have uh, community supported agriculture and are, are really geared towards getting local people involved and excited about eating locally uh, I think that was a plug for something. I don't know what that was a plug for. That was a plug for the farmer's market. Go to the farmer's market on Saturday mornings. Uh, If if you're questioning our answer to that question at all, go to the farmer's market. uh, And we we guarantee you could find enough meals to to satisfy you for, for, you know, until the next farmer's market, at least. A lot of different things there. So... We're lucky to have this one. Uh, I'd say this one, for me, is another five. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And we're, we're in the, I think we've, we've hit the real, uh, some of the strong points of Wilmington. Here. Yeah. This is good. There's some good, there's some solid fives where we're doing really well. Yeah. Number nine, uh, we'll see how this one goes. So before building or accepting new infrastructure, does the local government clearly identify how future generations will afford to maintain it? Uh, I don't think we do. And... I don't know about the past, but I will say, I think right now, of course, the city's budget issues are raising all these questions about maintaining infrastructure, and the one that often gets talked about is roads, and I mean, from what I understand, we're basically, the city is currently putting together a like road maintenance and investment plan, mm-hmm. which means that there isn't one that's already in place, Right, and so... Uh, if, if we don't have plans about how we are maintaining the infrastructure, then, you know, if we don't, if we're not even doing that from, if we don't have one today, it means we didn't, you know, create that plan in the past. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we do. I think often infrastructure gets built with like just the goal of growth. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think that right now there's much less appetite for building new infrastructure. I think there's much more of a focus on maintaining the current infrastructure, on driving growth to areas where there already is infrastructure as opposed to developing new infrastructure. So I think that that is a positive. I don't think that that necessarily points to having like a clear plan for how you know we're going to maintain it in the future. 
um, you know, I think I have I, I have concerns even about the, you know, or questions about the, the current tax proposal. Um, you know, I, I don't think we have a clear, I've not been able to see, I, no one has shown me or I've not seen a clear number to say this is what it's going to take to, to maintain our infrastructure for the mm-hmm. next 15 years. Yeah. So let's like make sure we have enough mm-hmm. revenue to do that. It seems like we've picked a, a tax increase which will you know solve which will address the immediate budget issues um, but it doesn't necessarily address the long-term issues because I don't think we know what the long-term issues even are we don't have that number in place right right and that's where it's so important to have you know carryover funds to where you where you can deal with that and if we're looking at um, you know, we are, if we're looking at infrastructure, it's setting that aside. And I think the county is currently in an interesting spot because they have so much money from uh, the sale of the hospital, some of which, you know, a significant portion of which is, is earmarked for specific um, types of projects. So, so it's somewhat limited in use. But there, there are some opportunities to develop some really important pretty impressive infrastructure, but to their credit, something they're worried about. Uh, for example, that I know I've talked to one of the county commissioners who said, who his concern about, for example, building a community center um, is that that this, the county long-term would not be able to pay for it potentially. Uh, one could argue that the, the repeal of the 0.5% sales tax could be uh, they could kind of go back on that and say, no, we're going we're gonna to use that money for long-term infrastructure investment. But it, I know that there are plans out there that have been written um, and, and that, that city employees and, and, and elected officials and county employees and elected officials have, have taken part in writing and creating. Uh, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Mark, how they're being used, I, I'm not sure. And, and you know, to... To imagine that we are just now putting together a plan for for improving our roads, which is a known issue throughout the city, um, that's that that's encouraging in, in a in a small way, and that we're actually going to see that. But it also does bring up a lot of concerns of you know when things are are being approved through through council or through the commissioners. You know how far out are we looking at? Uh, are, are we looking at those expenditures and looking at those plans? Are we really saying, how does this fit into the broader picture? Or are we saying, this is a good project right now um, and, and just kind of always playing catch up? So my guess is that probably in the past, there was just an assumption of growth that, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and really Wilmington has probably not overbuilt. I mean, this, this question, I think, is probably geared at places that have, like, way overbuilt and built, right. way, like, a, built a lot of speculative infrastructure. Like, really, Wilmington hasn't built a lot of speculative inf- infrastructure right. where it's, like, if you build it, they will come, and then you have all of this infrastructure that's not being used. Like, we don't actually have a ton of that around. So, in some ways, I think may, so maybe, maybe that kind of planning was done in the past, and that's why we didn't do it. Right. Or maybe it was just like people were prudent. They didn't necessarily go through the intense planning. Um, but I do think today, you know, 
it's the, the current situation highlights what happens when you don't do it, which is now we need to make some really hard decisions. And because we don't have that, or, you know, or it's not apparent that that plan exists, that the numbers are there, we know exactly what we need to continue to maintain the resource, the infrastructure that we have, it makes it hard to make those decisions. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there, there's some sort of, some level of, of, uh, prudent decision making that has you know we, I think we've all been to places or um, where there are a lot of empty storefronts where we're play you know where where these big strip malls or whatever it, whatever it was or, or kind of roads to nowhere that that were mm-hmm. built because there was promised development but the development never happened uh, and that's that's certainly always something that that cities really need to be concerned about, you know, and, and looking at, again, how does that fill, fill, fit into their long-term goals and their long-term plan. So the future generations being able to afford to maintain it, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. This The city and, and probably the county, although I, I think I, I, pay, I paid a little bit more attention to the city in this one, um, the city has probably not outspent itself. I mean, they have they have two outstanding, and I'll talk about this in a minute. Um, you know, the municipal building and the uh, second fire safety building are the only two buildings that have essentially outstanding debts that, that the city ha- is currently paying off and has bonds out for. So, to that extent, um, you know, there there is some stuff. Sorry, in the water department, that as far as the, what's coming out of the general fund, that that's the those two are the main focus. So it's not like we have a ton of new city buildings that they were building because of the air park or because they were, you know, thinking that there was going to be a lot of expansion expansion there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, I don't know. It would be interesting if there was a process. It'd be interesting to understand what that is, like how that kind of investment is evaluated. And again, maybe it's just our own. Um, or an ignorance on the issue mm-hmm. that there is something in place, but if there's not, that would be a great thing for the city to adopt is like an actual process to evaluate new infrastructure and determine right. whether or not, you know, and really be rigorous about the assumptions. Because I think where a lot of places get stuck is when you build infrastructure based on assumptions of growth and then you don't achieve those assumptions, mm-hmm. that's when things fall apart. Right, right. Yeah, so as far as so on this one, um, I think I, I think I'm going to give it a two because I, I think that the identifying how future generations will afford to maintain it, um, I'm just not sure that the identification is there. However, I don't think I will would want to give it a one because you know the city does have have fairly low um, fairly low amount of debts. That they're that they're going to pay off, I, and, and so I don't know. That, this is a tougher one for me, though. I would say I would give it a three. I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. I don't. I think, you know, again, I don't know all the specifics of the past, but I do. I wouldn't say that we have like a clearly defined methodology from what I observe. But and I don't. It doesn't seem like we have a. Uh, although I, I, you know, maybe it's even better. I, I, I feel like there's just a lot I don't know on this issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, my guess is that probably I think a lot of our services are really well run. So like, mm-hmm. my guess are like the, the the people that run the like water system, they probably know pretty well like what needs to re- be replaced when. Yeah. Um, that to me is like a a plan for funding stuff. And I guess you do see that with a landfill department as they're as they're really yeah, looking they're, close at the plans to potentially expand the landfill or you know when to cap it, how yeah. much that's going to be. There is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So maybe I give me about four. Like yeah. I think that maybe, maybe there's more of it than we observe. It right. may not be clear. You know. Again, I think we're pretty engaged citizens, and it's not a hundred percent clear to us. So maybe the issue is that like this process just isn't like well understood, or well appreciated by citizens in the community, mm-hmm. which is maybe why it's not a resounding thought. Like yes, but. My guess is better than we think it is because yeah. just because we're not like we're not suffering because we overspend on infrastructure. That we're suffering true. because we've lost significant revenue, and so yeah. and uh, and there are definitely examples of places out there that are like drowning in right. bad infrastructure investments. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I I can kind of agree. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere around a three or four. So that's that. I think I went from. You know, that's that's one where after discussing it, I think I went from probably a one or a two, a little bit higher. And it is partially because it does seem like we're, we're moving in the right direction. Um, it's hard to tell maybe that, you know, the city got, got lucky and just didn't want to spend any more money just from a, mm-hmm. just being, being really conservative and, and uh, about their money. Um, one of the things I would like to see is is really identifying how those things are going to be paid for in the future and not just saying, well, we're going to get more jobs on growth. Um, but certainly, I think it's important to have a plan as if growth is going to happen, but you can't always count on it. So that's a, that's a really, I think that's a very interesting question. That's a, um, and it's an important one to think about. And, and maybe it does, you're right, Mark, there, there, there's a distinct possibility that we just don't exactly know yeah. We, we just don't know what's well, going on. And I think things like the community reinvestment area, which provides incentives for building on areas with existing infrastructure. I mean, the city is definitely moving in the right direction in prioritizing investment in existing infrastructure as opposed mm-hmm. to, which I think 10 or 15 years ago, that probably was, that was not the priority. So, you know, that's, I think, yeah, there, there are a lot of ways in which we're, we're moving in the right direction on this question. And, and everyone, the listeners all said a, a pretty resounding no. And I do think that that is partially because, you know, that they're having to go back for, for the increase in income tax, which realistically is because of a, a lot of other factors that, that probably aren't poor planning. Um, you know, part of it, should they have acted on some of this stuff earlier? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. But it, it's not, uh, you know, the we have not spent a wild amount on infrastructure. And, and I do hope that part of the, the road spending plan, kind of alluding to your point is, how is that going to work out in the future? Because we can't just fix the roads once and then say, all right, next time we have to fix the roads, we're gonna do this whole big process again. It really is, foc- it does need to focus on, on long-term planning. And, and not just, you know, long-term planning in a city is not five years, that is short-term planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, long-term, long-term planning in a city is, is much longer, and obviously there are you know there are changes on council, changes in in the mayoral seat, but in general, um, 
you know, so those plans can be tweaked, but it, it would be nice for, for those to be out there. And the people that responded to this uh, are, are pretty engaged citizens as well. And, and, and that, I think, speaks to um, the city maybe not, not doing quite as well as it, as it should at identifying, uh, identifying some of their long-term plans and then how what they're doing fits into those long-term plans. All right, last question. Does the city government spend no more than 10% of its locally generated revenue on debt service? So this was kind of a fun one for me. Uh, I pulled up the, the city budget and I said, all right, I'm gonna find it. It's gonna tell me, it's gonna say debt service somewhere in the city budget. Uh, that, was, that, was not, that was not accurate as it turns out. It was not as easy. Uh, so I ended up getting a hold of Mary Kay Vance. She's the deputy auditor for the city of Wilmington. Um, and, and this is, you know, this is, I just kind of want to say this, this is my second experience uh, for the podcast, kind of meeting with someone in the city building. My last one was with Mark Jones, who's the tax commissioner. Uh, and it was so helpful. Um, and they're, they're so willing to really be there for, to help educate citizens on, on what's going on with the city. Um, and, and, and knowing that that's, that's something that they want to do. And so anyways, that, we had a great conversation. Uh, it, was, it was super helpful. So she helped me understand what the city is paying for, you know, out of the general fund as far as debt services and then what we're paying. There's, there's also some out of the water fund and then some out of a, uh, for paying for the David's Drive project, uh, which is, so the, the water fund and the David's Drive projects are, are very separate. Um, because again, the, you know, the water fund is an enterprise fund, so it, it, it's, it's separate from the, from the general fund, which is for general operating expenses for the city. Uh, out of the general fund, like I said um, earlier, it's, it's really the municipal building, which is currently being paid for, and the, uh, I think they call it like the safety services building now. It's, it's formerly fire station number two, and that was built at a time where they needed a, another fire station out closer to AVX because they were getting called there so often and it, and it just made um, fiscal sense. Now the, the police use that as a training center. Uh, they kind of use, you know, different, uh, safe, the safety department uses that as kind of a, an operations and meeting center. So, so it's still in use, it's not, it's not an abandoned place. Uh, but they do spend a little over $500,000 on debt services for those that they, they took a, they did bonds for those. So they're paying about $500,000 on, on principal and interest, uh, every year for those. And considering that the revenues for the city, I think are around, um, I think we're around seven or going to be around seven or eight, seven and a half million dollars. Uh, it, we are under 10% as far as the general fund is concerned. And, and that was one, uh, that, when that was asked, I, I kind of had no idea. I had to do some research, and like I said, it's you know it was helpful talking to the city, really getting getting a picture of what's going on. Um, the water bonds are, I think there's a total of about like two point one million because there's been some really big infrastructure projects. Uh, but the plan is obviously to pay to pay for those out of the water fund and, and out of that enterprise fund. Do you know what percentage of the water like? That was one that I think, um, from what I could find, it was it was it would probably be a little bit over ten percent from mm -hmm. from the water fund, uh, it, it, and I and I'm not sure 
you know, with this question, if they're more focused because because the general funds do operate a little bit differently than the enterprise funds, whether they're more focused on on the general fund. And then the David's Drive project is like a completely separate thing. There's a lot of grant funding that was in that and working with ODOT. So I don't, hmm. I didn't really, I, I didn't, I didn't dive too deep into that. I kind of wanted to focus on, on the general fund. Yeah. I mean, I think the water one is interesting since we do pay, you know, it's like, it sort of comes down to the question what percentage of our bill every month that we pay goes to debt servicing versus because you could imagine that ballooning, like mm-hmm. oh, if more and more, but it sounds like it's close to ten percent anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's at least it's you know it's it's under the number. It seems like it's manageable. Uh, it kind of um, we we talked about this briefly, but but Mary Kay and I talked about it as well. Was Moody's uh, came in? They they do the city's bond rating, which really uh, affects you know, kind of the investments and, and, and the kind of interest rates that, that we're getting on, on bonds. And I might do an explainer on that completely separately. But anyways, you know, we want our bond rating to be high. So Moody's came in, I believe a couple months ago. And one of the things that they looked at was the amount that we're paying in debt services. Uh, they didn't actually come up with, with a ratio exactly. I mean, they may have, but it wasn't something that was discussed. Um, but they were were pretty happy with how the city was operating as far as debt services and, and the amount that they had. Um, certainly, thinking that it was manageable. Uh, again, they're gonna, you know they're going to be keeping a close eye on everything because of the um, because of the uh, uh, tax issue coming up and, and you know seeing if that passes because that could potentially affect our our revenue and. And, but it, overall, they, that was something that they seemed pretty satisfied with. And, and Mark, we've kind of looked at that report a little bit, but we'll probably, I, I know for me, I'll have to have some of that explained to me because it is some of that financial jargon. But no, it, so Moody's, you know, Moody's didn't change the rating for the city at that time, uh, didn't lower it, but they, they did seem to be happy with that. So you know, it, it's, 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 it's one of the few questions on here that I think is pretty objective. Um, yeah. Although <laughs> most of, most of these we could certainly have a discussion about. And this one you can discuss because it is interesting and it's something that, you know, going into, um, certainly early last week when we really started researching a lot of the questions on here, that was one that I, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was a little bit confused about, but well, and I know the they when when they talk about this on strong towns, um, they often talk about the relationship between debt servicing and then local government funds from the state. And so they, you know, there's like a, there can be a temptation for cities to take out more and more and more debt and then rely on like basically the state local government fund to pay okay. the debt servicing on that. Yeah. And then if that goes away, you're sunk. Right. And so clearly City of Wilmington has not done that. And right. because of that, we're probably in better shape, you know, having lost that local government fund. You know, because we don't have, we're not spending a lot on debt servicing, it means that the new if the new tax does pass, it's all gonna go to running the city and investing in infrastructure and providing right. services to the residents as opposed to paying off debt, which is great. I mean that's that should be encouraging to to voters as they consider that that potential levy um, mm-hmm. that that 
because we're at what the strong talents considers better than uh, sort of a best practices level than mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I was I was doing a little bit more research and ten um, percent is is a good number uh, I saw a couple of towns that in their in their reports you know these are generally bigger cities that were were upwards of fifteen percent or even closer to twenty percent and and that might speak to um, you know, there, there might be some, some reason for that, but that also might speak to uh, assumed growth and spending a lot in infrastructure, um, assuming that a revenue stream is going to come and then it doesn't come. Uh, and that's, that's what the debt service is. I think that's really what this, this question gets at. So that's a pretty easy five, I think. Yeah, I'd say that's a five. Yeah. Yeah, even with the you know the the water like I said the water fund and and I did forget I think the landfill um, landfill will have some bonds that that just were recently uh, recently put out um, and and I think there was some you know I'm not sure how that whole process works but 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 uh, yeah the, so the landfill is working on getting some more bonds again for some of the big projects they have there um, but they they have some long-term spending plans for that and there that's all being developed with the potential uh increase in, in landfill area so that was actually that was a, that was an encouraging conversation that uh, was was talking about where wilmington is as far as as far as debt and as far as what they owe and like i said this the the bond on the um on the the city building and the uh and the fire and the safety service station are going to be paid off uh, within the next five years. So, so that'll be nice. That, that's even more money that we can really focus on, on infrastructure, on, on streets and, and all types of things that people are really going to see as, as benefiting Wilmington. Well, Mark, uh, I don't know how, how we're supposed to add this up. I, I just summed it up. Okay. So, uh, we scored a 34 out of 50. Okay. Which is about a 68%. So but that's, that's passing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not bad compared to um, certainly some of the other cities I've lived in. I kind of thought about those, and, and they would not have done all that well. And I was looking at some of the comments on the Strong Towns page, and people were kind of taking a test for their town, uh, probably with, you know, not maybe – different levels of, of, of civic engagement and understanding. Uh, but that, I think that's, that's really not a bad number. And, and one of the big things that has, has come out of this for me was, um, the, the walkability issue and, and maybe working on some of the downtown streets and instead of having downtown streets that are only focused on drivability instead of walkability. And then, uh, Actually, that was that was pretty much the biggest one for me. And then also, we kind of talked about the city moving in the right direction as far as planning. What were some takeaways for you, Mark? Uh, same. I mean, I think infrastructure is the area that I think the city can have the most effect um, in terms of improving infrastructure and doing infrastructure differently. And I agreed. Like, I think walkability is a big one. Um, and and yeah, that's that flexibility in building, you know, create, allowing more, more flexibility and in, in use and in the construction of infrastructure that then allows us to maximize the value of our existing infrastructure 
is is really um, is is really where we have the, the greatest opportunity to improve. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point, um, and, and I think that there is some some movement towards that, and that's that's encouraging. All right, well, thanks to Mark Rembert for coming in and helping me out, helping me explain some of the strong town stuff, and and Mark, as always, provides really valuable insight into where we are as a city, kind of where we can go, uh, especially from an economics perspective. Um, I'm sure that Mark will be joining us again on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening and have a great day.